Clay, they said it was impossible, but here we are at the end of our three millionth season of Star Trek. Only the second of Star Trek Voyager, though. We made it through another season of 26 episodes of genre television. How do you feel? Uh, I feel good. We've done three seasons. We've watched this crew travel for three years, and they have uh, basically three? not made it to the or two years. And when they have, uh, I feel it feels like three years. It does years. feel like three <laughs> And uh, they have so far basically not made it to the highway, it seems, as far as actually progress in in moving the ship. I don't know if they're just doing donuts in the parking lot or something, but uh, just can't seem to get away from Kazon space. No, they're just they're trying to leave L.A. from Brentwood and they're still running into the bloods and the crypts. They just can't get on the uh, on the the five. you know, there, it's really starting to bother me with some of the uh, travel that they're doing in this this show, like this one specifically. When <laughs> it's like, okay, we're leaving the broadcast range that we can get in touch with the uh, the whoever's. I forget what the name of the group is. Um, the and then the little yeah, Talaxians. Yeah. And then Paris is just like, what if I take a shuttle and just backtrack? And I'm like, oh, I don't know how far that is. <laughs> like, you've been going warp two for like three days or something. How yeah. far is it? Yeah. And you're just gonna go and get help and come back. That's a lot of. <laughs> that's a lot of space to cover. He's getting shot to shit too. So hopefully he's made it. Hopefully he survived. Where Where are they? <laughs> They're seventy thousand, maybe a little bit less light years away from Earth. We've got five years left. Until they figure out a way to get home. This is basic. It's like, did you see, have you watched um, uh, uh, Rings of Power at all? The, no, the I haven't. Lord of the Rings show? No, no. <clears throat> so I watched the first episode. I was kind of bored by it. Uh, it looks fantastic. I've heard it gets better. I've heard the first episode is the worst episode. Um, but there's a moment in it that, like, I just couldn't wrap my brain around, even though I'm I'm on board for orcs and elves and stuff. Which is uh, it's uh, spoilers for the la- first episode of that show. Um, Galadriel, <clears throat> the elf, has gotten on this boat, and she, they're they're traveling out to you know the west, you know the the, the mythical west that all yep. of the the elves go to eventually, you know over the horizon, and they're on a boat for a very long time. And this is a you know you you need to take a boat to get here because it's a it's a very great distance, and it's a special place. And she decides. At the last minute, she doesn't want to go, and so she jumps overboard and just swims back. <laughs> and I was just like, I, I, I don't know. It's 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 just difficult for me to be like, you're you're elves, and you're taking a boat out here. It's not like you're you're. It's not like you're taking a canoe out to the out to the the diving board in the middle of the lake here. It's yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, you, you there's no no hint of land. It's not like that. Um. What did we watch? The weight of water or something? I think is one of the old runs. I think there was some, my understanding. <laughs> my understanding of it is the West, quote unquote, is like the furthest most place on the ocean. Right? Isn't it basically the metaphor of crossing the Atlantic? Isn't isn't that kind of the yeah probably thing? yeah the Atlantic or into the the afterlife or something? I don't remember. Oh, okay, but, but it's and and I guess uh, either way, either way, you got You got to take a boat to do it. Right. Like even when you die, you can't just swim across the river sticks. No. You gotta you gotta get the boat with the guy with the coins. Yep. 
You got to pay the piper. Nothing. My point is, nothing in life or death is free, kids. Okay. <laughs> Basics part one is the twenty sixth and final episode of the second season of Star Trek Voyager. Came out on May twentieth, nineteen ninety six. It is one of two in the Basics arc. It is six of nine in nice in the Seska arc. <laughs> it is two of three in the Suitors Penance arc. Written nice. by Michael Piller and directed by Weinrich Colby. In universe date unknown, it's 2372. In this episode called Basics Part 1, on a mission to rescue Chakotay, uh, I'll put a little Janeway spice on his name, Chakotay's son <laughs> from Maj Kala, Voyager is captured by the Kazon Nistrum in a sneak attack. Uh, yeah, here we are with Basics. We got Suter comes back in after Meld. We haven't seen him for a couple episodes. We get the Kazon Nistrum, we get Maj Kala, we get Seska and the baby. Um, I think my uh, like my my overarching opinion about this one is that the episode itself was no great shakes, but I thought it was actually better than the season that led to it. If that makes sense, like I yeah, I, I thought it was an okay ending for a season that didn't really deserve to have such an okay ending. Yeah, I would agree with that. I feel like the episode is um, better than the lead up to it. Definitely, yeah. um, I think it makes the Kazon look more capable than they have in the past. True. Uh, and I, for one, am looking forward to uh, Brad Dorif just killing a bunch of motherfuckers <laughs> next episode. <laughs> he's he's basically basically going to be the uh, the version of the Borg in Picard season one that I want, where it just he activates yeah. and just starts killing everybody on the ship as his yeah. redemption arc. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, he's, I thought it was I thought it was fine. It was uh, it was pretty good. It was a solid episode. Um, I. Uh, it's. I guess it's the closest we get to uh, uh, Star Trek Jerry Springer edition. Yeah, with the baby. Um, uh, yeah, the baby there's now. still some like weird. I don't know if this is just a stretch, but like, I feel like there's some odd abortion allegory going on here. Yeah, in this one. Yeah, that maybe the. Supreme Court watched this episode before they made their last <laughs> ruling decision. They've, Alito found the 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 speech between Chicote and his father to be particularly motivating in this one. Yeah, I thought that was actually pretty interesting. Um, maybe it's a different yeah. era and a time, but I I think there's a, there there is besides the fact that it takes an extremely uh, pro life position, which is kind of fascinating in in and of itself. It actually goes so far as to uh defend like to 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 make the case that even in cases of rape it it's mm, okay or yeah. it's like it's preferable to allow the life to continue which is an extremely pro life position um one that i think you know i don't personally agree with but it's 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 a i think people who sort of like people like Chicote's father who hold that uh it is possible for them to hold it in sort of like a good faith way which i feel that he does like this yeah. His argument isn't really embarrassing, and it it does a good argument for that case. It, it also is sort of necessary because Chicote himself does not really have a very good reason for going after the baby. So his father kind of serves as that purpose and that motivation for him in a way. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I don't know if the show... I'm not sure if the show wanted to make the point about like make that abortion point or if it was trying to do something similar or if it just needed to get Chakotay to chase after the baby. When I find 
Chicote chasing after the baby doesn't make a lot of sense to me, and I feel like we've talked about this before. But I always yeah. have a, I always have a problem with father characters who have never seen or met the baby, but for some reason feel that they must die for their baby. It mm-hmm. it, it just doesn't ring true to me because I don't think that um, it works like that in real life. But for the point of the Star Trek show, I guess it works fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is it is a very um idealistic way of looking at that kind of situation where you know um it takes a lot it takes a lot less for uh uh some people who who have even relationships with their kids to yeah be like, to just nah, leave nah, them. fuck this kid i'm yeah, out of here yeah um <clears throat> yeah it's it, it is interesting i yeah i i think it needs something like that to get chakotay like even even there i think i think they do a good job of having Chakotay have his point of view and for him not to change his mind, but to understand why it's not the baby's fault. What's going, what's going like recognize the, how this is an innocent child. Yes. Um, Yeah. Yes. They, they had to land on that point. Yeah. 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 And they, they definitely lean into it too later on when they're like, what's going to happen to the baby? Oh, he will become a slave (laughs) on the slave planet and he'll live his entire life there, you know, leaning into it. But, uh, yeah, I think it, I think it works. And I, I think, um, I could, (laughs) the scene with his father does work, but it, I, I found myself distracted by the um hokey pop culture native americanness of it yeah sure yeah um i'm sick of chicote's native american stuff at this point yeah i'm really tired of it it's only because like the fact that they um how do i put this uh star trek has literalized gods and afterlife and spirits for um religions that don't exist in the real world Right. They have not really ever done that for anything that does exist in the real world. Like you never see Yeah, there's no new Israel as we talked about. Yeah, before. Riker yeah. Riker never has a vision of Jesus or something, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um and so to have Chakotay do that feels a little reductive to me. And yeah. it it does kind of feel it is kind of in, I mean, this is in the era of as we talked about before the uh um the new age revolution that that uh lit up its incense in the in the early to mid 90s where you've got your uh S- S- pure moods albums are making tons of money and yep. you've got your uh Chicote sand American. painting from the other episode yes, yes. like that feels very Chakotay much of that era yeah. and you know those episodes of the X-files where they're really blurring the lines between Native American beliefs and aliens and yeah. shit. Which <laughs> well, they in did retrospect, that in this show too. Yeah, they had yeah, that, yeah. Which in retrospect maybe don't hold up as well as they did at the time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's I. It's so hokey to me in this show that I almost it doesn't really stand out because it feels so kind of like misguided. Yeah. Um. But. It, but in this episode, at least, it does facilitate a pretty good conversation about what's going on. Well, it, it's interesting to me because this one is the, 
I'm I'm sort of fascinated by Tuvok, which is sort of in the jar, an abrupt change. But mm-hmm. this one where Tuvok opens this, where he's talking to Suter, and apparently he's been having uh, like sort of meditation courses with Suter to help Suter maintain his sanity uh, against all things. And the Native American stuff to me is really jarring because Tuvok talking about the meditation and what they're doing is actually like to me it was shockingly grounded in what actual mindfulness meditation is you know, they're, mm-hmm. they're talking about the breath and they're talking about like staying focused on this one thing and it comes across as authentic and meaningful in that scene and you can understand that it's sort of like he's connecting with Sudra on an emotional level the Native American stuff with Chicote and his father just feels like it's a cartoon show where yes, yeah. none of this feels like there's any kind of reality stuck to it whatsoever. It's just Chicote sits and, you know, smokes the peeps pipe or whatever. And then all of a sudden <laughs> is transported to the spirit realm where his father lives. And they talk about things in the most generically Native American way possible. That is like, you know, if someone came up to me and asked me to write a script about Native Americans, this would be the best I could do with it. It's mm-hmm. like, this is, I guess they, you know, they believe in this, the universe and spirits and life is special and stuff like that. But I thought that was a big jarring difference where I feel like Tuvok is really grounded in kind of interesting in what he believes without explicitly saying it. They just lay the, the, the groundwork for him to be effective at it. Chicote is not that way whatsoever. Yeah, and it does make me think too. Like, I mean, I guess it's part of the thing with his character, or whatever. But like, it, it they've established the the spiritualism and, and whatnot. But like, he couldn't have had that conversation with anybody else. Right. Like, I I understand that. Oh, it's his father, and that means something because Chakotay is now a father and stuff. But I don't know. I feel like he could have had that conversation with Tuvok and kind of get to the same place. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, <clears throat> wouldn't have been but, quite so spiritual. Yeah, I it's not it's not a it's not a huge a huge deal. Uh it was probably said and done. yeah, I wasn't um I don't know what the most Native American scene that bothered me was, but this one just I I didn't think it was bad because I thought that their conversation was both necessary and just like it's just kind of interesting. Like you don't really see that argument made a lot. It's the same way I feel about right. um like Whiplash, that movie Whiplash, which is, you know, the point of Whiplash is that abuse can actually end up making you great in some ways. It's just, <laughs> it's not a point of view that you hear frequently. So whenever something like that hey, pops up in pop culture. I watched I watched VH1's uh, TV movie, The Jacksons, many times. So I understand <laughs> that sometimes abuse can make you great. Yeah, Whiplash is just a rethemed Jackson 5 uh Oh yeah, I, mean, I can tell from the trailer. Yeah, yeah that's I can tell exactly. from the trailer. <laughs> yeah, I, so I I liked it just for that. I thought that that was an interesting conversation to have on Star Trek. Um, yeah, but it, it, what it ties into I, is uh, sorry. My favorite part of it though is when <laughs> when he's like, "I had no choice in the matter. I wasn't even involved." And then his dad's like, "Well, <clears throat> <laughs> I uh, I like the- I've been <laughs> I've been dead for a while, but." Uh, I'm pretty sure I was involved when you were conceived. So. <laughs> I like the fact that they they gave a, the actor gives like a little beat after Chicote says it, so I, as the audience, can sit there and go, "He's not going to say it, is he?" And then he, just, he comes out and he's like, "I remember laying on your mother." <laughs> and then you came along. Yeah, I've been I've been dead for six millennia, but even I know Chicote that the the eagle does not soar free without et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> uh, yeah, the um, 
the, the Chicote's father is just kind of the reason you have to have Chicote's father is because if you didn't have him, Janeway's decision is even more bizarre than it is. You know what I mean? Like if if mm-hmm. Janeway going back for the baby doesn't make really much sense at all for me. Like yeah. in the fact that there is not even a discussion about this or whatever. But if they didn't have the father. Janeway just doing that would seem even more egregious because even though Janeway didn't have the conversation with Chakotay's father to be alerted to the fact that this is what she should be thinking about or whatever, uh, she never really has the conversation with Chakotay. She just says, well, if you believe that you have to go back and rescue your son, then this crew is willing to go back and do that with you. And you go, I don't know about that. I feel like this is a Chakotay steals a shuttle type episode and Mm. goes off and does his own thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a strange. I feel like it's. I feel like we've had a few episodes that kind of feel like, uh, in the grand scheme of things, this decision doesn't make a ton of sense. Yeah, um, it's a lot. Of, it's a lot of road to travel for for something that um, not that many people are really that affected by. And hope like not to be super dark. Like, is the ba- can you even confirm the baby still alive? When they start setting off on this thing, you know, like, no, I mean, you can't. I I think the argument is you can't even get you can't even safely assume that it's actually his child. Yeah, yeah, you know, because she was telling uh, Maj Kala that uh, it was his child, right? So also, not knows? conceived, you know, <laughs> conceived very strangely too. Yeah, you know, like not it's it's. Not that it couldn't be genetically, she'll she can steal his DNA and make a baby out of it or whatever. But it that seems like a plot ripe for shenanigans too, right? You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, but they go after the baby and uh, it's a trap, and the Kazon get the Voyager, which is the know, goal all season. That was my biggest issue, I think, with this is that. Um, I was surprised that it was a pretty straightforward trap. Like the guy that they pick up, yet you can't trust him. He's got a, a blood bomb or something. That's the Enterprise episode. Remember the Enterprise episode with those monks that would blow themselves up? Do you remember that one? I do not at all. They did the same thing. They pulled out pins and they stuck themselves with a pin and they would explode and it damaged the ship. Yeah. Huh. I don't remember that. But yeah, like, you know, the guy that they pick up, they're like, can we trust him? No, you can't trust him. Is this a trap? Yes, it's a trap. Is the, you know, is she, oh, she's dead. No, she's not dead. Everything, you know, it's just, it was a little too straightforward for me. Um, Even got so around when, Neelix's impressive, ha, I was lying to you to see if you'd tell me the truth and you did, <laughs> yes. so I trust you now. Yeah, it was all a little bit underwhelming, I guess, at the end, just because it was so straightforward. Um yeah, I'm not really sure what I would have done differently, but uh, I thought it was all it, lost in the action of it. Like I, I thought that yeah. the action of it was good enough to carry me through the. Well, I knew this was going to happen. Kind yeah. of side effects of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I would, I would agree with that. I think it was just like when, when Sesk, I was into it. Like the action was interesting. You know, oh, how, why are they tr- f- focusing on this one part of the ship? That was kind of interesting. Um. The hologram ships. I actually, as soon as I started talking about the hologram ships, I was wondering if the doctor was going to somehow end up being projected into space, which yes. did happen. Yep. Um, I was kind of hoping it was going to happen differently and he would be projected as this like giant galactus sized doctor. <laughs> um, 
but you know that stuff was fun i think it was just when uh <clears throat> majkala and seska and the baby all walk onto the bridge and it's like haha we're actually all fine and actually getting along really well it just was i don't know something about it was just a little under under underwhelming for me yeah do you um <clears throat> amy had the the rea- it kind of has the problem we had a couple episodes ago with the um I think it was Deadlock with the Vidians board Voyager and there's just not enough production money to make it look like there's a lot of people invading the ship at that time. Yeah. So when Amy was watching this, she came and she saw that she's like, why is the crew not putting up a fight? There's like three people that have taken over the ship. Like, how has this happened? And also when they were like, they've started boarding the ship through the shuttle bay. I was like, when did that start happening? (laughs) They could just do that. They could just climb up your butt. Just knock on the door. Yeah. Come right yes. in. Yeah. Yeah, it's um I thought I I it's a weird mixed bag because I, I generally liked it as an action sequence and I think this is um like one in the long line of Star Trek season finales that is basically ending trying to be an action episode. Um mm-hmm. like I, I feel that I feel that Moving on to things like Enterprise, Enterprise tried to kind of copy the energy of a season finale in every single episode. That was like the thing that they wanted to do, which is to have the the action that led to the resolution, and it's always going to be that way. So I, I don't think Basics actually has much to say once it starts going after the yeah. initial conversations, but it, it relies on action, and it does it fairly well enough where I don't mind the fact that it's hollow at the end of it. Um but what I like about the action is that all the resolution of this episode, and boy, this is setting up to be one of those double part, two parters where the second part is not nearly as good as the first <laughs> yes. part is. Yeah. Uh, but everything that build up in this first part, I was like, man, I wish they had spent more of the season working on these stories and these themes that they were doing. Yeah. Like, I, I like how you said that the the K zone actually seem effective here. Like if Voyager mm. had actually felt like it was running from these guys the entire season, this would feel so much more, oh, you almost made it. You know, like you almost got right. away from them. Yeah. Yeah. Instead it's just like the way that the season feels, it's like there's no real sense of them moving forward and they, they just keep bumping into the K zone. Yeah, and they're morons each time they do. It's like, <laughs> you know, there's yeah. no, there's no, yeah. there's no horrible threat from them. But I, even in the just the sequence of maybe it's just the fact that once any enemy takes control of the ship and you lose it, you're like, oh, this is kind of an impressive enemy. But I thought that the Kazon just felt like they were actually capable and competent in this episode in a way that they haven't felt all season. Oh, definitely, yeah. And that was yeah, that was storming nice and, on. Yeah, I was just gonna say them storming the bridge was was a pretty, all said and done, a pretty solid scene. Um, and you actually do feel like the level of helplessness for the crew that I I don't think you've ever really felt with the Kazon before. Yeah, then. yeah. And Suter, I would I feel they could have easily done two more episodes focusing on Suter and his development across yeah. this. You know. Yeah, definitely. Because we know from the uh, the memory alpha, he's only he's coming back for one more. I would assume it's the next episode. Um, but yeah, it seems kind of predictable as how, how his his plot will go. But I, I thought that he's. Um, you know, maybe you can't get the actor for more than that, but his it's a it's a redemption story that I thought was pretty touching. I think Durf does a good job of in that one scene he has where he talks to Janeway to make it sound like he's actually fighting himself to be better than he is, than he actually is. 
you know, like he's, yeah, he's not well, he has violent impulses and he's trying to control it, but he does genuinely seem to want to do something for the crew, which in this case, like he wanted to make them more nutritious potatoes or something, but he's going to end up saving the day by hijacking the ship. I would assume. Right. Um, and that, that's all good. And it's a, it's a fitting redemption arc. I just wish that I, I could have done with a lot more scenes of him talking to Tuvok and fleshing him out as a character where after five or six episodes of this guy, when, when he likely dies in the next episode, I will be more sad than I will having only seen him in a handful of episodes. Yeah. Yeah. That scene with him and Jamie was good. <clears throat> it had big, um, I'm I'm very flattered, but I said I don't want to go out with you five. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to help the crew. I'm a very nice guy, Captain. <laughs> Why can't you just see that? Yeah, it would be interesting. And his, uh, his black contact lens is obviously shining through, as we all know that now. Um, there's another sequence of Voyager lands on a planet, which they mm-hmm. seem to love to do at this point. I'm always hey. still surprised it doesn't tip over. Maybe Suter will survive and he'll become the god emperor of that that planet of uh, cavemen. The of this of this the planet that they landed on. Yeah, maybe yeah. he comes back to pick everybody up and he's like, you know what? I think I'm gonna stay. These people like to kill people, and I can get down with that. <laughs> yep. No, he's gonna hide. He's gonna be a diehard uh, person. Um, anything about the end? I like the end sequence because Janeway is leading the whole crew along and she's and she's talking loudly and she's like we have to keep the morale up even though we're fucked <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was like they're, they're all right behind you talking well the a thing loudly. the thing i thought was funny about that sequence is she's like you know she's got her uh her officers and stuff and neelix of course but the officers are, are walking right behind her and she's like okay we're gonna split it but into groups all of you are gonna lead a group and she's like chakotay balana and who and whoever else is on the bridge, you're with me. The other group is led by Neelix, <laughs> and the third group is led by someone we've never seen before. <laughs> like you're you're going to put Neelix in charge of one of these groups? <laughs> he's he's got to keep their morale up. Yeah, was Cass in this episode? I don't think I saw her. Uh, Maybe in the sick bay. I think she was very briefly. Okay. Yeah. Um. Any I other- could be wrong though. I know they definitely. They make mention of her, but yeah. I don't know if she was physically in it. Maybe just very, very quickly. So what did you think of this one as a uh, season finale hmm. beyond what I've said? I thought it was good. I thought it was a good season finale because, you know, it was in line with the stuff that they've been playing with through the whole season. So it makes sense. It's it's uh, It leaves them in a tough position that I am curious to see how they're going to get out of it. And it's not just an easy – I I'm now, I think it's not going to be just like an easy kind of fix. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> Yeah, overall, I thought it was pretty solid for for a season finale. I liked um, the good thing about where I think the Kazon could have been. I really liked Majkala's final line where he's like, look at you now. You should have just shared with us in the first place. Uh, Yeah. I I don't know. I thought that there was something. They could have just done so much better with the Kazon. Like, I think the Kazon are actually kind of interesting. And it's almost like if you took the Vidian setup right where they're affected with this illness and that's why they're trying to steal stuff all the time if you made the vidians and you combine them with the kazon in some way i think that that's probably the best case scenario for the season as an antagonist yeah yeah i, I was just laughing because uh 
when I was watching the episode, uh, Caitlin came in about halfway through and was watching a bit of it. And when when the first when the Kazon um, prisoner guy showed up, she goes, "What the hell does he have on his head?" <laughs> and I said, "That's just what they look like." She's like, "Really? That's just you know. not a hat." The next, yeah, and then the next scene where he was just like walking through a, a, a corridor or something, she just went, "Oh, that's so so much." <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of hair. Does yeah. she? I don't know if she shares your opinion about the Vidians. Maybe it just can't win. I uh, I don't know if she's seen a Vidians episode. Actually, I I mean I, I don't want to know what that makeup looks. You smush those two races together because it's no, it's a Tuvix it's a level bit of a mess. Horrific. Yeah, yeah. This, this is a this is a, the time of the franchise where they're they're sort of running out of ideas. It seems like, and they're just smushing stuff into horrible Tootsie Roll pop mm-hmm. uh, confectionery awfulness. Um. Yeah, did uh, uh, what the fuck? I, I was saying something before this about oh, just yeah, just the 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 Kazon could have just been more. If the Kazon were more sympathetic, and which is what the Vidian setup is, and that you feel bad for them, and they're being driven to do bad things because they are a people who have almost been driven to extinction by this disease. Then the the Voyager not sharing feels like it's even more, uh, like profound or sympathetic mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. To it there, and I think it could have benefited from that because I do like that final line from Kala. Yeah, like if you know, I think you can. I think you can have if you were to do that. I think you can have Voyager decide not to share and have it not come off as completely cold. Where it's just like they're making a they're making a decision that that they need to make for themselves. Right. Unfortunately, it is at the at the uh, cost of of these other people, which then drives them to, um, seek out you know revenge or whatever. Yeah, chase but them like, down. Yeah. But like you, you you can you can be sympathetic to the Vidians, but you but that doesn't mean that you can't agree with what Voyager did. Right. Yeah. And I think the conflict lives there between the two things. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it, it worked out. It worked out uh, mostly fine, I guess. <clears throat> Excuse me. We'll have um, we'll probably do a, a year end wrap up video so we can talk more about the serial plots and how they uh, how they worked or they didn't work at that point. But let's go to patron thoughts right now. Talking can about I basics. can I point out one thing before we get to that? It's sure. a really stupid thing, but I rewound it three times to make sure my my ears weren't screwing with me. Sure. In the um, in the uh, conference room scene when they're just they're talking about um, doing the holographic ship thing. Yeah. Uh, when Janeway basically dismisses everybody and tells them to go off and do their thing, she actually says, "Work on the doctor with it, Balana." When she very clearly was supposed to say, "Work on it with the doctor, Balana." <laughs> and I don't know if nobody caught it because it's like it's a quick thing, but I I only caught it because it sounded weird. Yeah. And, you know, you can go back and I'm, I'm sure they were like, well, nobody's going to fucking notice. But it was one of those things where it's like, I wonder if that was just, I think that was kind of a long take. So I wonder if that was just the best one. And they were like, yeah, it's, no one's even going to notice. But, uh, <laughs> you know. What's the, um, the Boogie Nights, William H. Macy's like, I see you with an ass in your cock or something like that. He, he like yeah. flip flops <laughs> the words. <Yeah>. Yes. <laughs> Not quite that level, but Janeway, they didn't, they didn't have enough film to, to reshoot that scene. Um, I guess maybe before we go to final thoughts, the uh, as much as I like the action scene and sequence and stuff, 
I, I do have some sort of like logistical questions about what holographic ships are supposed to be doing. And I spent a good portion of the episode thinking the holographic ships were the Talaxian ships. So I was, I didn't know what Tom Paris was chasing after when he left. Oh, because I see. I thought yeah. those were the holograms he was going after and it didn't make any sense to me. Yeah, it was a little bit weird. I don't know why uh, the hologram thing worked more than for like 30 seconds. Once you get shot by the holographic ship and it doesn't do anything, you must go, it's fake. So don't shoot yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. And it's Although not I, like they, they didn't make copies of Voyager, you know? Right. Although I, I was going to say, they clearly, Starfleet clearly archived this plan when they're like, well, we can have the radar just show like a bunch of ships, like 1,500 ships show up at one time. And oh, right. Scare everybody. They just archived that and they're like, oh, that's a great plan. What if we do that for real? And so now they always have fifteen hundred ships show yes. up in the all in the, the later same time era. in a giant wall of clone tool copy paste uh, titans. Yep. Oh, Star Trek Picard season one and two and Discovery seasons one to twenty seven. <clears throat> um, yeah, so that that was confusing to me. Uh, and the Talaxians, I think, are Neelix's people. I think. I think so. Yeah. So I don't know. I found that really confusing. I, I didn't I, because they never talk to the Talaxian ships at any point. No, you never see them talk. They they make reference to the Talaxians being like, "Yeah, we'll get your back," but that's all. That's all you get. You know. Yeah. Um, I found that stuff confusing as well because, like, I don't know. Again, it's a distance thing where it's like if you're out of <laughs> right, however they're out still of running communicator into range, and you're getting your shit kicked by the. Kazon, yep. How how are they gonna ever get there in time? I don't know. It's just one of those stupid things where it's yeah. like I think the the amount of space that they're traveling here is is not uh, um is being folded a bit by the plot. Yes, unfortunately for the uh, the setup of the show. So we'll go to patron thoughts. If you guys enjoyed the content today, you can go to patreon.com slash the Penske Files, support the show there a couple bucks, and you get to leave comments on upcoming episodes, and then we read them, react to them. So. First comment is Clef with Basics, part one. Seska makes a triumphant return with the suicide bomber to burn. That toenail is gross. The toenail is gross. Did I mention that the toenail is gross? Four <laughs> doctors beamed into space out of five. That was pretty gross. I, w- I was kind of surprised they didn't... Uh, um, surprised that the doctor didn't uh run down the blood thing a little bit more because like it's funny because i i wasn't even i hadn't seen this before and i wasn't exactly sure what was going to happen but as soon as he was like no my blood's fine my first thought was is his blood a bomb oh is it that's interesting i thought i thought he was seska genetically transformed into that kazon or something i don't know why that was that was my first thought that's interesting yeah, for some reason, I my mind immediately went to Blood Bomb. I'm not really sure why. You were thinking of the Enterprise episode. It's in your subconscious. I guess, yep. yeah. I had just watched Blade recently, so maybe that had something to do with there it. You go. It seemed like it was the same, <laughs> That's probably the more same likely. animation of La Magra. This is Tex Bear with this comment I just sent to you. Basics, part one. How large is Kazon space that Voyager still hasn't left it behind months ago? And how do recurring Kazon characters manage to keep up with Voyager, which supposedly is moving away from them at maximum speed? Anyway, this is a two-parter where I like the resolution more than the setup, which is a rarity. Oh, interesting. Okay. We'll see. 
I get I get big letdown energy from this because it just it 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 seems like it's one of those things where all the setup fits and works thematically, and I feel like the second one is going to be some kind of lame a lamer action sequence of taking the ship back. That's not going to feel yeah. as satisfying. I'm hoping what happens. This is my this is my my pitch. What I think should happen is you get a, a standoff with Seska and Chakotay, where they both got phasers on each other, but then Seska has like a hostage or something, and then she's like, "Put the phaser down, Chakotay, or I'll kill Cass or something." Sure. And he's like, "I okay, I'll do whatever you say." And he throws the phaser down, and then Seska's like, "You stupid idiot." How could you throw your phaser away? Let's the hostage go. Then right before right before she shoots Chicote, you hear a phaser blast from off screen. Kills Seska. Hard cut. The baby did it. <laughs> <laughs> Baby's got a phaser and a binky, and he's taking yeah. everybody out. Or it's it's Die Hard, but Chicote reaches back behind himself. But instead of a gun, he takes the baby who is taped to his back, <laughs> who has a gun. <laughs> It's tough to take where they're towards <laughs> that age. How um, how are they going to get rid of the baby? Baby won't uh, die, right? This is not Enterprise. Yeah, I don't see the baby dying. Um, I don't. Well, I mean, I assume the baby's going to be around because this is not the last Seska episode coming up, right? Oh, that's true. She has a so couple I, left. I, I assume. She probably takes off with the child in some fashion. Huh. Okay. Well, then maybe we'll we'll talk about that after we know about what happens to Seska. Yeah. I thought I thought that this. I, I was thinking this was going to be the resolution, but it clearly can't be, unless <clears throat> unless the references are just she gets named name checked in some episode. Oh yeah. I guess they do technically count that stuff, don't they? They might. We'll see. I I would be. Sh- I have a feeling Seska is making it out alive. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we'll see. Eric McGowan says, Basics Part 1. I don't have anything more to add about the episode, but to Soapbox about Season 2. Voyager gets criticized a lot for a lack of serialization, but they attempted a fair amount of it over the course of the season, given the premise of the show. Of course, the problem was an execution, as most of it was not done well, but it was only Season, t- it was only season 2 of a Trek show. Uh, it was only Season 2 of a Trek show, which are notoriously slow to find their groove in the TNG era. And I don't see it acknowledged much online about how early Voyager really did attempt to do serialization early on. In fact, most people critical of Voyager seem to intentionally ignore the season plots, character arcs, and mini arcs attempted in season two. After the fans hated the season when it aired, they scaled back most attempts at serialization for the rest of the run. I prefer this kind of interesting failure of a season over a big chunk of entirely episodic mediocrity coming in season three. Hmm. Interesting. Setting us up for some excitement in season three, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. yeah we'll we'll have more thoughts about that. We'll we'll do those thoughts in the the season wrap up, I think, because um, there's a lot to say about it. This is Kyle Barat, right here. I'll send that to you. Basics part one. Don't you hate it when you go to your dad for advice and he starts talking about? <laughs> Jesus Christ, Kyle. <laughs> And he starts talking about coming in your mother and the rape of your ancestors. Chakotay takes center stage for the first half, but it still doesn't feel like the writers have a firm grasp on his character with his parental issues suddenly reappearing a week after wanting to settle down on a random planet away from everyone. It's good to have Suter back despite feeling like a much simpler character now. 
<clears throat> the action is decent, although having the holographic ships just appear kind of gives away that they are holograms. It ends on an effective cliffhanger with the crew stand stranded on a planet that from the air looks like Mustafar and from the ground looks like California. That's a good I, I did notice that as well. Three podcasters who have watched every episode of the franchise yet haven't noticed that all the Betazoids have huge black eyes out of five. <clears throat> Who's the third podcaster, Kyle? <laughs> yeah, you can only give it a two. I um I feel that some dirty pool is being played with the black eye stuff. This is one of those things where you say something and then the people all of a sudden muster up the courage to be like, oh, of course, you, you never noticed all that? You never noticed that that's the fact? <laughs> I had I had never even read their black eyes thing. I had never never heard that, like read that, heard anyone mention it. And so to everyone now who's coming out of, out of the woodwork to be like, oh, yeah, of course, this is the, the second most common thing that people know about the beta Zeds. Not true. It is absolutely not true. Never mentioned it. Never mentioned it. Yeah, it's a weird thing to not mention because, like, I think if you go and you do pull up pictures of other Betazoids, they do have, they all have very dark eyes. I think it's just like, Sirtis. The black eyes don't look unnatural on her like they do for that's Dura. the thing. Yeah, she just looks Greek. Yeah, she just she's, <laughs> she's like she eats a lot of olives. That's that's all yeah. that it is. Yeah, and I mean, if you look at if you look at uh, uh, Lexana. I what the hell color eyes does Major Barrett have? Um, looks like Major Barrett has like darker, like grayish blue eyes. And Let's so, if say. you pull up a picture of Luxana, she definitely does have black eyes. Yeah, she has blue eyes in the pilot. And then let's see, where is Luxana? Yes, she does. But she has dark hair, and it fits. Duraf just doesn't look right in it you know yeah regardless i'd never heard about this this thing before so people need to stop acting like it's some sort of common knowledge it is not i i decline to believe i mean marina sirtis has brown eyes yes so they definitely have she's definitely wearing contacts yes yeah did you ever did you ever notice this i think you said you hadn't right you're just no, just never. No. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't know. No, I mean, it's a very tiny detail that no one has ever They've never voiced. brought it up. <laughs> it's a, It's actually, I know I'm sort of making fun of the, the fact of being brought up, but it's, it's weird that it's never been mentioned in the show. You know what I mean? Yeah. Usually everything about alien cultures comes up at some point. Yes. Like... They call Cardassians spoonheads, and I get the right, reference, right? Yeah. But they don't go like, you dark-eyed son of a bitch telepath, like, get out of here. <laughs> no one has ever mentioned it in canon that they're doing this, and they're consciously doing it and aware of the fact that people of this species need to wear contact lenses. It's weird. It's strange. Yeah. It's like having the Gorn on and not talking about the fact that it looks like a reptile, you know? Well, you know. You don't want to be prejudiced towards people. You, you really don't. You have to be careful. Real Avi says, basics part one, how much cooler would it have been if early in the seasons we got the Vidians as the main antagonists instead of the Kazon? The Vidians are far more interesting. Still an enjoyable, well-paced episode. Suter is awesome. Three incompetent Starfleet crews out of five. 
Uh, Changeling says, this is no fault of the episode, but knowing there are five more seasons, the title ship flying off and leaving the crew behind doesn't really make me hold my breath. Also, Kala taking in Chakotay's baby out of a sense of honor because he took advantage of Seska doesn't track with the Kazon being a race of misogynistic space pirates that use child soldiers. Two extracting needles from behind my toenail out of five. That's that's true. Um, They go out of their way in that bridge scene to have Maj Kala say like extremely misogynistic stuff towards yep uh like culturally misogynistic stuff to seska and then he's like <laughs> but uh but it's my duty to raise her child that she was fathered by you like yeah. I don't, that's not how that shit goes it's well, usually you, you throw both of them in the trash i actually uh <clears throat> i don't disagree Although I, I find that less egregious than so after he does that scene where he backhands Jane Wayne is like you pussy beta alpha quadrant bitches like <laughs> let your women get out of line he's like shut up Seska the very he and he in that thing he's like he's like what kind of woman talks back to a a homage when so he's talking to the Pope or whatever he says the very next scene he says something and Seska immediately undermines him but he doesn't do anything to her. You know, he's on the bridge talking yeah. to some other Kazon, and he's like, well, and he's like, Majkala, the thing's destroyed. And he's like, ah, I'm sure it's destroyed. And Seska goes, well, are you going to check to make sure that it's destroyed? And he goes, all right, make sure, make sure you go check that it's destroyed. <laughs> but it seems like it, it's a um, it's a scene that's so jarring in its discrepancy about what he was just talking about and how he acts that you think it's going to be a plot point, but it's it's not. You know, like right yeah. in, in a better written show, there's a reason why he says one thing in front of Janeway, but doesn't act that way when he's in private with Sesco or relative private with her. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I prefer the Kazon. The Kazon of the bridge are the way that the Kazon should have been the whole way. You know, yeah, because they're actually kind of intimidating there. Um, yeah, I'd agree with that. Not not just not Maj Kala taking shit from Seska, I don't think, as much the same. Uh this is Norman Buckwald. <coughs> Basics part one. <clears throat> it's rather compelling this part one, but thematically, especially since I know what happens in part two, well, there's not much there, unfortunately. Given that, rather compelling. The oops of beaming the doctor into space a hoot. Uh giving that rather compelling, the oops of beaming the doctor into space a hoot, but otherwise. Just an interesting curiosity what Michael Piller may have really intended for part two versus what we end up getting. And how can the Kazon be able to land a ship easily when it was a challenge for Paris earlier this season? <laughs> two suitor plants out of five. Yeah, I, that's one of the... I was a little bit, you know... I, I With some of the stuff, you have to kind of just like do the Star Wars thing where it's like everybody just knows how to fly ships. Yes. Yeah. Um, they but knew I how was to do extremely that. complicated things with Voyager. <clears throat> yeah. I was thinking that where it's like not only is this a ship with technology that they don't, they've never used. I mean, I guess Seska knows how to do it, but um, it's also like severely damaged. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm a, I was a little surprised that they managed to land it so easily after it getting so fucked up yeah with a lot of uh technical dialogue he's like vent the plasma and he's like how much right. plasma is being vented he's like oh that's far too much plasma being vented out of the <laughs> starboard warp cell that i don't understand how it works yeah it's that's weird 
Jaron Hatch says, basics part one. All I can think of while watching this one is how and why is this even happening? Never in a million years should they even consider going after Seska and her baby, let alone commit to actually doing it. There's no surprise or shock here since the audience knows that this is the most painfully obvious trap in all of Trectum. I suppose it's an entertaining enough episode, but it's hard to fully enjoy when it's one of the dumbest setups imaginable. When you're more invested in Suter wanting to experiment with orchids than in the crew getting carjacked and left to rot in the California desert, you know you might have a slight problem with your story. Three incredibly stupid command decisions out of five. Maybe that was kind of what my problem was, was that it was so clearly a trap like that that was the obvious choice for everything along the way. Yeah. That you kind of get into like a princess bride teacup situation. Yeah. Where yep. you just kind of like, well, they think it's the audience is going to think it's a, it's a uh it's a setup. So, uh that means if we make sure it's a setup, they're going to be surprised that we didn't make sure that it wasn't a setup, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. So it's like how many times can you flip-flop it? But <clears throat> I don't know. I guess I was just expecting something a little bit more interesting to happen. I think the other way around it is you just acknowledge early on that the the crew knows it's a trap the whole way and like this yeah. we're just going into a bad situation. Yeah, you kind of get that. You could kind of do that thing they did with uh, um, was it the last one where they were they were on the planet and uh, with the in the Tuvok had to decide to take the ship to the Vidians for help and everyone's like, oh, you right. know, this is going to be we're going to get our asses kicked. And he's like, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> But we got to do it. And then we got to travel back six weeks to go find them. Aaron Millions says, Basics Part 1. Well, this episode has a good battle sequence and is well-paced. It's marred by the disastrous decision to go after a baby that Chakotay has never seen until now on the viewing screen, did not want, did not give consent for, and dislikes its mother. Why would Janeway ever decide to pursue, well, if you're going to call the baby an it's, you're just, you're just <laughs> showing your hand about what you think about him. Why would Janeway ever decide to pursue this course as a serious lapse in judgment that I would expect from one of those wimpy Star Trek B captains we occasionally encounter in the movies? I don't blame Ticote so much here because the last time he tried to deal with Seska, he did so in his own way by taking the shuttle only to be admonished by Janeway and put on report. Apparently that was bad enough that he did not want to find out what the next step would be. Through two seasons, Janeway has shown some atrocious decision-making, three constantly crying babies out of five. That baby's not constantly crying. He's quite calm on the bridge. Yeah, it looked pretty good to me. The poor baby with the uh, the spoon head glued to its forehead for how many hours a day? I think this commenter <coughs> just doesn't like children. No, which is fine. It's your prerogative. I don't like people who think that black contact lenses are something that everyone acknowledges. <laughs> Patrick Seabouse, and I'll let you read the poem. Uh, this is Patrick Seba sent it. Tuvok gets wooed as colors slaps they calls falls. Sorry, let me do that again. There's <laughs> <laughs> an interesting meter to this one. It was like a, that was like a um, Garth Marenghi line reading, I think. <laughs> Tuvok gets wooed as colors slaps they cause falls. Seska drama queen means Kazon cream the halls. <laughs> <laughs> not, not the easiest script, the writer's... <laughs> But, <laughs> but who's back? It's Doc Cock. Just hope he don't get got. All because the XO would not deal with blue balls. You're going to give the rating? Oh, sorry. Four fingernail mounted suicide vests out of five. Very good. 
Tuvok gets wooed as Cullis slaps they cause falls. Seska drama Seska drama queen means Kazon. This is a that's tough. <laughs> he's he's uh he's going over the bar line. I think there with the with the rhymes. Oh, I, okay. I see. I see what it is. Okay. Tuvok gets wooed as Cullis slaps they cause falls. Seska drama queen means Kazon cream the halls. There we go. Yeah. But yeah. who's back? It's Doc Cock. Just hope he don't get got. That one could probably use a little work. <laughs> All because the XO would not deal with blue balls. Okay. Artoria says, Basics, part one. Starfleet arrogance at its finiest, I assume finest. Let's go into enemy territory on our own. Trust an enemy informant and not even call for backup from the Talaxians until it's too late. Also, instead of going to warp 9.9 and running the Kazon, outrunning the Kazon, let's turn around and fight them. Real smart, Janeway. Looks like part two will be Die Hard in Space, starring the Doctor and a homicidal Betazoid. Three stupid captains out of five. Hell yeah. I would like to say, um, <coughs> related to nothing, mm. I never like it in poems where they do the uh, contraction for the sake of the rhyme, the rhyming meter. I always feel like that feels like cheating to me. Like taking out letters and putting in an apostrophe? Yeah, like, like or, O apostrophe, E-R. Yeah. Because you need a one-syllable word instead of over. Yes. Cheating. What's your opinion on um, poetry as visual artwork as well? With someone like E. e. Cummings? Oh, you mean like the way it's, the type is laid out? Yeah, and stuff? How, how like the words go in certain places and it, it affects how you read it and things like that? Yeah, I, you know. People had a lot of downtime, and typewriters <laughs> typewriters could only do three things. So there was um, what the hell was I reading? I was reading something about there was something about books, but as recently <laughs> as like 1950, on a reader's poll for something, some something like Time Magazine did a reader's poll, and they asked their readers to write in with like their favorite authors of the year and their works and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it was something like four of the 15 in this thing from this poll from 1915, 1950s where readers are just writing in and they're tallying the results. It was something like four of the 15 were poets that were mentioned in it. Um, mm-hmm. If you did that now, you would not get a single poet listed probably not yeah yeah it's it's funny how far poetry has uh fallen to the to wayside i always forget that poetry modern poetry exists until the next presidential inauguration yeah yeah i and just then they bring out a poet laureate and i'm like i didn't even realize that was still a thing there's no, there's not much competition it's yeah it's the being the valedictorian of your <laughs> i'm just gonna trash talk the 16 year olds who get the poet laureate but it, i um Modern poetry all has that this weird that weird coffee shop beatnik poetry thing going yeah. to it, and I I really don't like that. Um, it's possible to write a poem that doesn't do that. I think um, it's hard to describe. They have a, they have a certain cadence, which is like very um, angular, and how they hit their sounds when they're doing mm. it. It's not quite rap, yeah. but it's like. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, I'm, it, I'm ne- I've never been a fan of it either. Yeah, it's just, it, it feel, it, I just I feel like everyone modern, every modern poet I've seen do a reading recently does it in that voice, and I, I don't think it's necessary. Yeah. Um, 
Did I read his? I did read his. Nick the Rat says, Basics part one, the doctor can be projected outside the office. Voyager can land. Shit should have toppled over. I could barely see anything during the entire episode. This season finally just makes me frustrated. One out of five. <coughs> well, point extra G. I'll give you this last one. Or the penultimate one, I guess, this is point extra G. Uh, basics part one is the one W. I think it's one. Somewhere? I copied the one week. He wrote the comment one week ago. Oh, okay. Uh, I took notice of some specific shots and cinematography. The shot. I was hoping that was going to be the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like they complimented the costumes. Um, the shot of the doctor objecting to Cote's interrogation was framed really nicely. And the quick camera motions on the bridge during the takeover were things rarely seen done on Trek, especially on the main bridge set. Cullah giving orders on the bridge like he's a trained thespian always makes me laugh a bit. Matt Ross with the final comment says, I always wonder how do these Starfleet experts and ship systems not know where the self-destruct tech, a.k.a. Janeway's go-to move, is connected? <coughs> Excuse me. Getting over a cold. When I saw this originally, I really was surprised how quickly the Kazon were able to take over the ship and strand the crew, and I was excited to see the Doctor and Suter work together to try to get the ship back. But they mean, but you mean they suddenly can't can trust the manipulative spy who lies about everything just to soothe the flaccid Chakotay? The cliffhanger really made me think this was not going to be... The cliffhanger really made me think this was not going to be a clean resolution in part two. Four arm bombs... Arm bombs out of five, excuse me. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for leaving your thoughts about this one called Basics. Clay, what are you going to give this one on our scale of one to five? The season finale for season two of hmm. Voyager. <clears throat> I think I'm going to give this a four. Oh, wow. Going high. Yeah, because I think it's good. Like, I think uh, I'm I'm rating it mostly as a season finale, I think. Okay. Because as as we said, <clears throat> I think this is uh, more than the sum of its parts. I think it exists. It works better uh, than the things that came before it. Um. So yeah, I would I would say this is a pretty like if you're gonna, this would be on my list of episodes that I would say you should probably watch. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it a three. <clears throat> I but I do. Um, I like it. I think I think it's good. <clears throat> I think it's um. Just to go full circle, it's what I said at the start. It's like it, it, it just it impresses me that it's much better than I would have expected all of these plot threads to be when you sum them up at the end. Mm. <clears throat> Excuse me, and um, which is nice, but it's also kind of a it leaves you going like, eh, I wish the season itself had been a little bit better to get to that point and make mm-hmm. it actually worth something. So I'll give it a three, but it was an engaging three. I liked it. Decent season finale, although um, yeah. Yeah, the uh, the the sort of move towards action finales is kind of they they do tend to get old after a little bit uh, after a while, and I think the Voyager is eventually yeah. going to get into the action spectacle season finale too. So we'll see. You know, I was wondering. I forgot. I forgot <laughs> about how um, Enterprise worked in its final season. Yeah, and everybody's uh, being so complimentary of Andor. The Star Wars show, which is works more or less on three episode arcs. Oh, really? Which uh, that seems like they might have stolen that from Enterprise. I wouldn't be surprised. Wouldn't be surprised. 
Rick I Berman, get your get your lawyer on the phone. <laughs> I've seen that show. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> not enough. Not enough extending light batons for my <clears throat> for my liking. This is it. Thanks, everybody. It's good that we got to the end. My voice is, I think, giving. What I liked, what I liked about Star Trek versus Star Wars is that Star Trek, Star Star Trek, Star Wars. You go into a, you go into a club. It's all men. It's all men. They're all aliens, but they're all men. Star Trek. You go into a club. You see the women. You see the women aliens. You get to count the boobs. You get- <laughs> the, 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 the he would say females. He would say females. Rick Vermins would say females. He definitely would say females. Yeah. <laughs> when does this cross into to slander? <laughs> Brandon, it's over. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks for supporting us this entire season. And we'll be back with more. We'll do the the season wrap up uh, as usual. It gives us a little bit of breathing room, and we'll move into the third season of Star Trek Voyager, which is the last season to feature Cass as a main cast member, and to not have Seven of Nine as a main cast member. So, oh, does Seven of Nine come in in season four? She uh, she comes in the final episode of season three, I think, and oh, then season four. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So. Do they just does 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 Kess just regenerate like Doctor Who into Seven of Nine and you can hear Rick Berman off screen going, Oh yeah, baby. <laughs> you can hear him high fiving all the writers in the background. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly I gotta yeah. have that tape, Brandon. Get me the tape. That's it. Thanks everybody for listening. Clay, do you have anything you want to say? Uh, we are into, uh, is this December? Yeah, this will be the end of December. So we, uh, uh, on Rotten Horror Picture Show Patreon, we will have wrapped up our second string of Stephen King with Stephen King's It. Going into the new year, Amanda and I will be covering a, uh, a curated list of video nasties, which should be fun. So if you want to know which movies we're going to be covering, check out the It episode where we're going to be talking about a bit about that. And uh, Badass is back doing season two of of batman beyond and uh yeah that's about it i think yep welcome to 2023 oh boy <clears throat> hope you all enjoy it which is we've been doing voyager for a year now at this point oh wow yeah surprising and um another 52 episodes would be another two and a half seasons of wait it's just two seasons right we do two seasons a year basically that's the way it works out yeah so okay, giddy up. <laughs> so we got a we got a good uh, two one two six three. We got a, a good another like two years of this ahead of us. We're still in Kazon territory of this podcast. <laughs> like, we're still we're still running into people that we know. That's mm-hmm. it. Thanks everybody mm-hmm. for listening. We'll see you next time with the season wrap up. Bye. <laughs>